Welcome to the Excellence in Enterprise podcast, where I reach out to people I do not know, engage with friends, all for the purpose of learning about them, learning about what they care about, why they care about what they're doing, what they're engaged with from across multiple different industries and multiple different vantage points and viewpoints, all for the purpose of increasing my personal knowledge and kind of thinking outside the box when it comes to my work, my professional career. I want to draw from those sources and I thought you might be interested in hearing as well. So I hope you will join me on this journey. You can find me on YouTube, on Spotify, on Instagram, and on Twitter. Feel free to reach out anytime. I'd love to engage with you. And I hope you enjoy this podcast interview um, engagement journey with me. All right. Well, welcome to episode two of the Excellence Enterprise podcast. Um, so this is Carter Davis, and I wanted to start out by giving a little bit of background as to kind of why I reached out to Carter in the first place, how I found him, and then we'll kind of dive into you know Carter, where he's coming from, what he's up to. I think you will all find this interesting and engaging. It's probably something most, if not all of you, have never thought about before. And so uh, hopefully it'll help you think outside the box a little bit. So I found Carter because I've been following and tracking Call of Duty esports for I've been following Call of Duty for a, a while now, but like I only seriously got into like watching competitive Call of Duty in uh, Black Ops Four and more towards the champs. Um, so it was like towards the end of the season, but then I got like really into it. So I was you know watching all the different videos, following different players, and recently I kind of like. I don't know, earlier on last year, I got on Twitter, which I hadn't been on really. I had like, you know, like my placeholder, but I hadn't done anything with it. But I finally started getting on there and a ton of interaction in the Call of Duty scene happens on Twitter versus like Instagram or, um, you know, like even YouTube back and forth and that sort of thing. Like people do content, but they don't really interact with each other um, as much. So a lot of the back and forth happens on Twitter. So that's where I started reaching out. And as I was getting more and more into the competitive scene, I saw that you, um, Oh, I started following a couple of the statisticians that work for like FaZe and a couple of the other teams. Um, and so I saw you commenting on one of the two of their tweets and whatnot. And I was like, okay, that's interesting because most of the time, like Twitter is useless in terms of the comments <laughs> um, that people put down. Like, it, you know, it might be encouragement, but other than that, there's like, there's not much that uh, I guess original value that gets added. Um, and you were like one of the very few, if only people they were kind of adding value um, to what was being posted. So, and essentially what you were doing is you were saying, hey, I'm developing Scrimtel, which you, you know we'll get into that a little bit more, but essentially it's a, a software program that can track the uh, mechanics and the data from live and record it live uh, from Call of Duty matches. So you can go back and see what was happening, where people were at when different engagements were taking place, where people were going down and where rotations were happening and when and that sort of thing. And I thought that was super interesting. And I thought it was interesting because you would think it's something that teams have engaged in. We live in a super technical world, like, you know, it's, it's super doable, right? So you would think it was something that teams were kind of already thinking about beyond just kind of watching recordings of, of, um, of the game. And then second is you would think that, you know, the people working on it wouldn't necessarily still be in college, which you are. And that's one of the reasons or, or were, right? Cause I think you just wrapped up. Yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah that's correct. Nice. Congrats. <laughs> so um, basically I was like, well, that's super interesting. Um, it's something different. And so the reason I reached out 
um, relative to the podcast is I thought like, hey, okay, hey, this is somebody who's doing their own thing. You know, it's unique. It's interesting. Um, it's necessary. I think if people like actually want to improve the quality of, of their review um, and team practices and things like that. Second is I think like it seems like to me you're actually putting in the work, right? A lot of people are talking about the grind this and the hustle that, you know, and it's, you know, you seem like you were actually putting in the time to, to, to build it. And I understand what that means. Um, I've worked on a few things myself. And so I, I totally get that. And then third is like, you also like have a positive attitude. Like a lot of people complain, um, you know, Twitter's the main medium for, for interaction and, and the interaction that, you know, I've observed you in. And like a lot of people are negative. A lot of people complain a lot about this, that, and the other thing. And generally speaking, like you're really positive. I was like, Hey, this is somebody that I would enjoy interacting with, um, and learning from. So, um, with that said, why don't you give kind of a background, um, you know, obviously on, you can go to your web, website, scrimtel.gg, uh, and there's a little bit of a bio there. Um, I know you talked about like marching band and a whole bunch of different stuff. So like aside from Call of Duty, why don't you give a little background from where you're coming from, and then we can go into the more specifics of, you know, Call of Duty and your background there. Sure. Uh, so my name's Carter. Um, I just graduated um, with a degree in computer science from the University of Utah. Um, I've been involved in a few things most of my life, marching band being one of them, as you mentioned. Um, you know, I, I did that all throughout high school, a little bit in college, and then I competed in drum corps, which is kind of like the MLG of marching band, I guess is a good way to put it. Um, so I did that, um, as well as, you know, taught here and there, like I teach at high school, I teach at a drum corps, um, takes up a little bit of my time. Um, other than that, I'm really big into esports, mostly being Call of Duty. Um, yeah, that's, I guess, a good rundown of who I am. So, uh. Well, I guess one thing I would add is uh, right now I'm like a software developer. I'm trying to find a job, but um, previously worked at, at AWS, which is like a pretty big you know, software development company. So that's kind of where a lot of the inspiration for what I do came from is, is thinking about how to turn different aspects of like stats and Call of Duty into more of like a web service. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. So one question that I had um, when I was looking at your background and then listening to you now is I, I think, you know, and, and this is probably misconception relative to people who don't understand esports in general, but, you know, I wouldn't think like, oh, marching band, you know, goes hand in hand with somebody who's a Call of Duty stats statistician or someone who's interested in that. Like, for, is that something that's like you're interested in from your personality, personality? Like, what about it do you enjoy? You know what made you pursue that versus like <laughs> sitting in your bedroom you know gaming <laughs> yeah that's that's a good question um i think like one of the one of the things that's very important to me in my life is just a balance in, in what i do so like i really like being indoors but I, I like going outdoors as well as of lately i haven't had much motivation to do that obviously but um yeah so it, it was really nice when i was when i was in school having that balance of kind of the three the pyramid of three things that i like to do where like I have school and then I have video games and then I have marching band. So it's like three different outlets where I could improve myself, if that makes sense. Like they, they all led to some sort of self-improvement in my mind. And and that aspect of it and chasing that, that improvement was was a lot of fun to me. So that's that's kind of where I, I gathered interest, I guess. Gotcha. Gotcha. Where in, I guess this, well, I don't guess, this can apply to both the Call of Duty side and the uh, and the marching band, et cetera, side, like where does your, or where do you think and find your motivation to, to come from? Like, 
is it something that it's in line with your personality? Yeah. Right? You know, I, I, for me and like my background, like I know a lot of it has to do with my personality, but I also know a lot of it has to do with my, my parents, my background, like what I went through, like all kinds of stuff like that. Um, so I'm just curious. Yeah, that's, that's a good question. Um, I don't know if I can necessarily identify that. Um, like, I think part of it's my personality. Like I'm just a person that I like to do things, but I also have this joke where like, someone asked me why I was still involved in marching band, even though there's like no reason why I should be or anything. Yeah. And I, I kind of always joked that question. I'm like, I don't know. Like I've just done it for so long that like, I don't really know anything else to do, you know, like it's just what I do. So uh, I think that's part of it. Like, it's just you know something I started doing and it's just what I do now. Sure. Sure. So what originally, like for you, what was the moment you were like, I'm interested in not just like, to make sure we're on the same page. When I use the term esports, I'm thinking the competitive side. I'm not just thinking about like global gaming, yeah. which is like this huge, like no one can fully, you know, encompass that, um, especially yeah. with the trajectory it's on. So like when I think esports, I think competitive and specifically, you know, Call of Duty, because that's the one that I've followed the most. Like I'm, you're once you're in esports, you're kind of aware of other things, but you're not, unless you're actively engaging and watching it, there's no way to keep up with all of the content and everything that's going on. Um, so like for you, what was like the moment that you're like, Hey, I am interested in competitive call of duty esports. Yeah. So I think it goes back. I, I want to say that like, I kind of got into competitive gaming a little before a lot of people did. Um, like I really got interested when I was around 10 years old, I would say is, is when it really started for me um, with, with Pokemon. Actually, I was like, I would just sit there all day on the Nintendo of America forums, just going through seeing like what teams were up, what, what I could review, trying to get input on my teams, playing on like the online simulators and stuff. Um, that's really when I got into things as far as competitive gaming goes. My, my family was a Nintendo family. So that, that was really all we had. Um, and I would play Xbox every now and then over at one of my friend's houses. Um, and there was one summer, I remember I, I just mowed lawns like all summer so I could afford an Xbox. Um, that was when I got, when I got into Halo, that was, that was my first game. I'm a Halo kid. So, um, that was like my first shooter that I played. Um, so I played Halo for a few years and then, um, I actually, <laughs> I, I joke about this story, but it's, it's really funny to me how this happened. I was one of those like Halo elitist kids that thought that Call of Duty was stupid <laughs> and I'd always talk trash on it. Uh -huh. um, and it was in Black Ops 2, um, like like around that era, one of my friends wanted to get an Xbox so that he could play Halo with us. And on Black, on Black Friday, we went driving around all the local game stops to see if anyone had like any Xboxes available. And we get to this one and there's no one at this game stop and they have one Xbox left. And so my, my friend's going to buy it. And the guy's like, yeah, we have a deal right now where it comes with, with Black Ops 2. And, you know, all of us Halo kids were joking. We're like, oh, man, like, you don't have to give that to us. We're just going to walk out the door <laughs> and throw it in the trash. And the guy was like, no, it's part of the deal. Like, I have to give it to you. I don't care if you go and throw it in the trash, but I have to give it to you. So he gave us it. We, we took it home. One of my friends was playing it. And I don't know. We were like, hey, that looks kind of cool. So we all we all got into it, you know started playing search and destroy and stuff like that. And from there I was hooked and I, I played that for a few years. Um, I was kind of like back and forth between halo and cod for the next three or four years. until I don't know, the halo scene just kind of died and wasn't the same anymore. And, you know, just kind of stuck with cod since then. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, that's, that's interesting. I hear that. 
I, uh, I don't, fortunately or unfortunately, I did not touch, um, an Xbox mostly due <laughs> just my, my family is more like a go play outside, uh, sort of deal, <laughs> but I didn't touch one until college. That was the first time that I played, which was okay. like 2012. So yeah, I had a lot of learning and catching up to do, but you know, my free time, I, I succeeded, I think. <laughs> um, yep. so fast forward to college, why did you end up pursuing the degree that you pursued with computer science? Yeah, so I actually started as a game development de game development major. Um, the University of Utah has a pretty good game development program, um, and within that, you kind of have to choose a subset of what you want to do. So I went with computer science. Um, I've always liked math and and science, so I wanted to kind of stick to that side. Mm -hmm. um, and then there was a moment where I realized that the game industry sucks, and that I'm kind of a nerd. Okay. And from there, I, I just decided to go with computer science. So it was a little after, like I took some of my intro courses and decided I liked them. Okay. What aspect of the gaming industry do you feel sucks? Like what made you feel that way? And for the record, like I've been, I, I've shifted like my career, like multiple times, like even um, like in high school and college, I was pursuing, like my, my plan was to do paramilitary counterterrorism. And then mm -hmm. I switched from that to kind of a general like national security background. And then now I do facilities and operations, construction management and real estate. So, and now I'm, you know, doing this podcast. So, you know, I, I totally hear the transition, but I'm curious what about it, you know, what stood out in such a way that it made you switch. So I think it kind of goes back to how I really prefer having a balance in my life. And I felt with the game industry, like it's so grindy. And I've heard all these horror stories of developers working like almost hundred hour work weeks just to ship a game on time. Yeah. Um, it, it just, I don't know, it didn't really entice me. And then it, it was also the sad realization that like, as, as like a, a programmer, like a software de developer working on the game, I'd have probably very little creative control. And so all these things that and bright ideas that I had, or at least I thought at the time of like how it could improve a game, how it could make this game better. Um, I, I kind of had the realization that that wouldn't really be realistic. Um, you know, I'd be working to implement someone else's vision. Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes sense. That makes sense. That's interesting. So then you switched over to doing the computer science or at least focusing on computer science. When did you come yeah. up with Scrimtel and how did that evolve <laughs> as an idea? Yeah, so I didn't I didn't really plan in like pursuing anything within gaming. Like um, I kind of figured that after like so I was playing on my college team in the in the collegiate cod league, the college cod league, um, CCL as it's known for short. Um, I was playing on that, and then I, I finished like my last season, and this was last year, like Modern Warfare, probably in late spring. Um, and I was like, well, that sucks. We're done with gaming now, I guess. Like I'll play in my free time. And then the summer hit and that, you know, I was still gaming, just playing a lot. Then like I started to look and see, okay, I feel like I want to still stay involved, right? It's kind of how I, how I am with, with band, how it's like, it's sure. just what I do. Like, I don't really know anything else. Uh, I mean, I know other things, but it's like, you know, like my routine is like, oh, I got to play games today. Like what's going on with Call of Duty? That's just like, mm -hmm. my body feels like it's wired up into that what's scene. Up in, what's up in the scene? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I started to look around and see what I could do and looking at, at gaps. Um, I was also at the time in school taking some data science courses. Um, you know, I had some electives I had to choose from and didn't really know what to take. So I was like, 
well, I mean, data science sounds cool. Like let's do some cool stuff, numbers and some analysis on things. Um, and then I had this realization that like, I could connect all this in Call of Duty. And like, I could use my skills to help further, not only myself within the scene, but other people as well. And that's that's kind of the idea behind Scrimtel is like, I could develop this private tool that, that I use and get it, get an analyst role with it. I'm sure that would work just fine, but I could also use my skills as, as a web like as a web developer and, and create this into a web service so that other people have can leverage those same skills that I have while also kind of keeping that code base to myself so that I can still leverage other aspects of it. So where are you at today in terms of how you're thinking about <laughs> your career and how you're thinking about, you know, how Scrimtel or Call of Duty, you know, fits into that? Yeah, I'm not I'm not sure to be honest. Um I've been shopping around with teams, I guess, the the last few months. Um I've had some interest from some big orgs, from a lot of small orgs. Um and I've also been looking for just traditional jobs just to kind of feel out what's going on and and weigh all my options. That's one thing that I'm pretty big on is not just like leaping into a decision, but um like weighing all my options and and finding that balance. Um so I don't know. Right now, like the idea is I'm going to, you know, finish this up, put this out as a web service and we will see what happens. Gotcha. Okay. What's your timeline? I'm hoping to be done pretty soon, man. Like it's within the next month or so. I'm hoping it's, it's kind of hard. Like I got really distracted with school because it's, you know, that was a lot of work. And at, after sitting at my desk all day for eight hours, the last thing I want to do is sit at my desk even more and, and yep. <laughs> working on code. So I, usually what I opt to do is still sit at my desk, but play video games. Um, <laughs> yep, yeah. So I don't know. Lately it's been like doing some work to try to pay the bills and then doing work on Scrimtel in the meantime. Um, the nice part though, is I feel like I've done a lot of the really hard work where it's getting the, the computer vision working and, and detecting what's happening. Um, mm -hmm. What I have left to do is mostly wrap all of that into a web service so that other people can, can use my code. So, I'm curious, in order for the code to be effective, I know that, um, you know, I was, I was tuning into some of your stream and I've seen, you know, different things that you've put out there is the, the current data set that you're working from is a data set that's been put out there by the developers, right? Mm -hmm. um, so is that something that you need to continue in order for Scrimtel to work? Or will you eventually be able to kind of pull it, I guess, organically or natively so you don't have to rely on the data set or any data set from the right. developer specifically? So so that data set was really just a starting point for me. Um, okay. Like I've heard from a lot of the analysts that I've talked to that they really like how that data was structured and, and what they could get out of it. So that was kind of my target in the beginning was I have to be able to do, like my data set has to be at least what this data set is. Yeah, that um, makes sense. Anything else I add is is better, of course, but but that's like that was the bar for me in the beginning. Um, and there's there's like some decisions I made on the way where it's like, well, this isn't possible, or I won't really get too much out of this for the amount of work that it's worth. So, like, it, it's okay to om omit certain things, but for the most part, there's there's certain things in the data set that I've seen that I think are important to to try to maintain in my data structures moving forward. Okay. Okay. So when you're thinking about your job or you're thinking about different opportunities, both in Call of Duty or more traditional, like what are the components about either set that you find exciting or find less exciting? Yeah, so I think 
One that I've been trying to, I guess, change within the the Call of Duty scene is like the the amount of grind that, that people want out of an analyst. So I've seen a lot of people that are like, well, we want you with the team all day and we do four scrims a day with this team, which yeah. is, that's that's a lot. That's a pretty big grind. But that doesn't really, I think, that's, that's not what, an hour and a half stuff. per scrim, right? Give or take? Yeah, give or take, but then like VOD review and, and people waiting, you know, waiting around for people torching. Like, yep. So one, like one of the things that I dislike is just how, how grindy they want me to be. Um, especially when I've like gone and automated a lot of this. Right. So <laughs> I think <laughs> like, I think what's in there, what's in like most of the org's best interest is if they were to, they were to trust me and just like, let me do my job. Um, and instead of being in scrims with the team all day, which don't get me wrong, I think that is like an oh, appropriate cool. use sure. of time to spend time with the team, but I don't think it needs to be how I spend all of my time. Um, because is what is what happens is like, that's, you know, you spend eight, nine hours a day in scrims, but then there's development work that I need to do. And then there's like analysis on the data that I have to do. And so then I don't really get to like do a lot of that work because I'm in with the team all day. So sure, they have a friendly face that they can talk to, but um, they don't really have any useful information after all that. So um, that's something that I've been trying to to find like a, a perfect team with where it's like, hey, spend half the day doing what you think is important and spend half the day with us. Um, and and that's what I appreciate about about like a traditional job is that's that's kind of what you get out of like a regular software developer job is, mm-hmm. you know, you spend some of your day in meetings, you know, collaborating with the team and planning and whatnot. And then you spend some of your day doing actual development more or less by yourself. Sure. Okay. Is when it comes to like overall industry, you know, if you could have the perks, you know, for the lack of a better (laughs) term, right? The perks or the setup organization that you wanted to, do you, would you prefer esports over something more traditional? Um, And the reason like part of, in my mind's eye, you know, the, the, the picture is, traditional, you know, I work obviously with the company I work with and other companies that I've been engaged with, you know, we have developers, even product team, you know, engineers, all all kinds of stuff. And a lot of the time, it's something that they can do remotely, um, especially in today's world, (laughs) regardless or irrespective of uh, COVID. And it's something that you can make like a great salary on because, you know, you literally have to have training to do coding in a lot of ways, even if it's, it doesn't always have to be traditional training like college or whatever, but you do have to have like a substantive background and experience in it. You can't just show up and figure it out like you can with some things. Um, And on top of that, it's often something other people don't understand. And so they have to be willing to pay for it because they don't really get it themselves. So like, there's a lot of, there's a lot of perks associated, associated with both those over time, like, you know, five, 10 years down the road relative to salary, being able to live wherever you want to live, that sort of thing. But when I think about esports, like when I think about just the analyst side, the only real perk you're, I would think that you're getting is getting to interact with people that are the biggest in their scene, give or take, right? Mm-hmm. If it's a, at least a, you know, pro team or even like a top AM team. Um, but the, that's a, like, that's more or less as far as you go. Um, because it's not off generally speaking, it's not as if most, if not all of the public, um, like appreciate the analyst. Right. And so like you personally are not going to expand or grow within the space, like a player, like an influencer, like a streamer, that sort of thing. 
Um, so in that way, I guess it's kind of similar. Um, but I feel like it would be, it's more a given or it's more so something understood with the tr traditional career path versus like Call of Duty esports. It's like, hey, everybody's excited. You know, everybody can have a platform. And I feel like that's something that's, you know, probably not actually true of the analyst type position. Um, and I certainly, you know, I, I haven't seen anyone that's, you know, gone above. There's a few like R11 and Tactical Rab, a couple of the other people that have, you know, they have a slightly bigger platform when it comes to stats and analyst stuff, but they don't get, you know, much engagement, et cetera, things like that. Um, but when I think about the esports scene, there's a lot more opportunity for like expansion and for getting involved. And there is an opportunity to be noticed outside of like that specific type of role. And so that's kind of why I was curious, like, when you think about the things that like make you happy, things that, you know, you would want to be engaged in, you know, are you interested in developing a, some form or another of a platform, um, you know, personal platform essentially, right. Where it's kind of directly contributing to your value, your net worth, what, you know, what you're up to versus like a, you know, again, traditional, or even straight up analyst role where that's not really going to be a, a function of what you're pursuing or like what your goal should be. Cause it's not a, you know, component of the environment. Yeah, I think, so I think having a platform is really important within the scene, uh, like regardless of what you're doing, just because the way, I don't know, I was, I was joking about this on Twitter today about how like, I'm like, Oh man, it sucks applying for jobs. Why can't, why can't I just have all the homies on the timeline, like say that they vouch for me. Yeah. Um, and that's, <laughs> that's kind of what your, your follower count is within this scene, right? Like it almost mm -hmm. doesn't matter what you do. As long as you have those followers, people are going to respect you. So like, I personally, I'm not really interested in cloud chasing, but it feels like a necessary evil that is in my, like a roadblock to get to where I want to go. If that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, it just is what it is right now. So, so would you say that you enjoy like when you think about like your love of X, are you thinking about your love of X relative to East Call of Duty esports, and or are you thinking of it relative to the data and the math and the coding and the you know like the the, the meat of the the background of like your experience and what you what you want to do? I think it's I think it's kind of a culmination of everything. Um, like there's there's three pillars, I guess, that I see when it comes to, to pursuing something like this. So number one is the, the coaching aspect of it. Even though an analyst isn't necessarily like a proper coach, there still is some coaching that's involved there, right? Because you have, you have data that you have to explain to either a coach or your players and have them understand and apply that, that information. Mm -hmm. um, and that's something that I really enjoyed about what teaching marching band was the coaching aspect of it. Um, so that, that's the first pillar. The second pillar is, you know, all the nerdy stuff, the, the coding, the, the math, that, that nature, everything mm -hmm. involved in that. Um, and, and third is, is just the game. Like it's, I love the game and I've had countless people say, Hey man, you should make scrim tell, but you should, you know, make it for like years of war and halo and this and that. And I'm like, I, I don't really care. Like, like, I'm sure those games are great, but I love call of duty. Like that's, that's what I'm interested in right now. Sure. So taking a step back, if you were to explain, you know, to somebody who's not used to call not, you know, exposed to call of duty or esports in general, maybe, um, like, how would you explain the appeal 
or describe the appeal of Call of Duty esports? Oh man, that's that's a hard question. I always hear it compared to the WWE. I think that's a pretty good example. Like it's it's very dramatic and like overblown. You know, like okay. the smallest things happen in this community that are just yeah, like yeah, they they just pull <laughs> so much engagement on Twitter. Um, I don't know, but it's also just like the the passion involved in it. You know, there's so long for so long like this scene was so big with so little like monetary representation within like the the tournaments and stuff so i think there's there's just a lot of people involved for the right reason um and 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 i love that like i i think like having that that i don't want to say grassroots because it's always been kind of like a corporate pushed scene but but you know having that that kind of small community vibe where everyone just wants to play the game backed behind now being like this franchise league is is incredible so i think it's it's unique in that aspect gotcha which um which team are you (laughs) you know which pro team do you support personally not necessarily professionally (laughs) yeah that's that's a good question um i really i'm a huge fan of of la thieves like i just okay i don't know so, so Slasher has always been like one of my favorite pros, just, you know, being an engineering student, like going through school and like, I, I don't know how that man competed at the level that he did while he was in school. Um, so I, I've always had like really big respect for him. And, and I love that, that LA Thieves roster. Um, yeah. I also like, you know, other team in LA, LAG, like um, I'm a silly Stan. So silly, silly is one of my favorite players. He's a super nice dude. Um, yeah. I want to see both those teams succeed. So. Okay. All right. Um, so this is interesting are there any components of when you look at the sports scene and you say i want to be a part of the like the way you described it kind of the grassroots development of it and when you think about that do you think about it from the pro or the am side of things or do you think about it from the college side of things because like i know the college cod is starting to blow up massively um, and that's mm-hmm. only going to increase over the next, like, you know, five years, three to five years. When you think about like, Hey, the true growth, true, something that I think is exciting, which, which side you know, cause like call of duty college or college call of duty is kind of in the same place that like pro call of duty was like maybe 10 years ago. Right. Where it's like just starting to develop, just starting to get people to actually watch it and care about it. Who aren't, you know, sitting there at the Xbox at three o'clock every day after school or whatever. Um, so I'm, I'm curious which of those two scenes, like, do you find the most appealing in terms of like wanting to be engaged in? Cause it's like a dip, those are two very different paths. I think, um, right now Mm -hmm. I'm not saying, I think call of duty, college, call of duty will catch up a lot faster. Um, just because it's got the background and all the work that's been put into the, you know, the, the, the current league and everything, but I'm curious, it's, it's, it's still a different path. Which of those is appealing to you? or would be appealing. Yeah. So I think like the amateur scene, I, I don't want to say it's, it's the biggest that it'll, it'll ever be because, you know, of course, like there's always room to grow, you know, it could become the next thing where like every kid is just born with a controller in their hand playing call mm-hmm. of duty. Um, but I think, I think the amateur scene is appropriately sized for where the pro scene is right now. If that, if that makes sense, like sure. we're just going into franchising, like, like second year of this, um, there, there's a little bit of hiccups, but there's still a healthy amateur scene to back it. Um, and, and so, like, I think that has has grown proportional to, to where the professional scene is. Okay. Um, I think I'm really interested in the the college scene. Um, so, disclaimer, I, I, you know, help out with with college COD. Like, I, I work on their website and 
and helping them do their stats. So mm-hmm. I'm kind of a little bit biased towards that, but I'm interested to see how that develops. Um, and more specifically, how the top players within that scene transition to either being top amateur players or um, top pro players eventually. Like we've got a few guys who are who are you know pretty good. Um, D'Lo from Texas A&M, I believe, won one of the challenger events last year. Um, okay. We've got we've got a few other big names in there, but yeah, I'm curious <laughs> to see how those guys transition from being college students competing in, in college COD as well as the amateur scene and how they transition into one day being professional players. Yeah. Hmm. When, what is your perspective on the kind of the money side of college COD? Like where is the money going to be coming in? Like, do you think there'll be a substantive, substantive amount of sponsorship and money coming into college COD? Or do you think that'll take a while? Cause I mean, you know, I know that we've seen a lot of college teams, you know, develop and sprout over the last like few years or whatever. But I'm, I would be surprised if the amount of growth that we're seeing is directly proportional to the amount of sponsorship and money coming in for that, which is usually how schools make money. They get a specific grant for a specific program, that sort of thing. I'm curious, Mm -hmm. like what your perspective is. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I'm not really sure what the, the, the money side of things looks like in that, I guess. So I don't know if I'm like the best person to ask about that, but I think like, I think more sponsors will start to come in as we get more schools and as those schools start to have more legitimate esports programs. Um, like something, so I played for a club team and, and there's there's like a few varsity teams out there that the players actually have scholarships and you know some even have like a class they have to take in order to be involved in their team. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think as more of those programs start to pop up, I think the money will, will start to become bigger. Um, but right now, like there's, there's a lot of teams that are just club scene, club teams. They just love COD. They just want to play for fun. Um, gotcha. and I, I think like, we'll, we'll start to quickly kind of separate the two, um, to where we have like a more like club sided scene. And then we have a more like competitive, like we just want to be the best college COD team. Gotcha. Okay. No, that is interesting. And I, I wasn't, it's something that unless you're involved or at least is cl- more closely involved in it like you are, it's not something that like one could find out even by, you know, doing a bunch of research. (laughs) So that is Mm -hmm. interesting. Um, hmm. One of the things that I've been wondering about or thinking about is how much value like an individual on say a college team or, you know, even a, a lower tier AM team, like that sort of thing how much value they could get by themselves. Like say they're on their team, but they're the only one that's like really engaged, really interested, really grinding. Um, how much value they would get from interacting with like a Scrimtel data set um, versus like the, it being necessary for a whole team to engage. So you have like a full you know, perspective on what's going on. And before you answer that, they're like one of the reasons that I wonder if something like Scrimtel hasn't, you know, happened sooner sort of thing is because pros, like when you're, you know, operating at the pro level, which when we, you know, for those listening, when we say pro level, we're talking about the, you know, what is it? Top 12 teams um, in, in the world right now that are a part of the Call of Duty League. And um, so anyway, but the like the pro teams, like all the players on that team, like they they have this, you know, I've watched their scrims and they have this weird thing. Like they know exactly what's happening (laughs) on the map, right. Without referencing it. And then 
five years later that can go and tell you exactly what went down in you know round five of this bracket <laughs> at that championship right and it's 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 amazing and part of that is i'm sure they've watched a million hours of vod right but at the same time like there ha I, I think there has to be something said for you. if they're sitting there going like yeah hey, i know everything that's happening in my head why would i need to go look at a data set right so that's 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 my assumption as to like why something like this hasn't like already you know, been brought up or developed by even like a developer or Activision or something along those lines. Um, so keeping that in mind, and I'm, I want to get your thoughts on that, but starting with the first question of like, what value could an individual by himself on his team gain from, you know, reviewing a data set, even if it's looking at an over, you know, looking at a different match, obviously, you know, someone in college isn't as likely to have access to a scrum tell data set, at least short term, unless you do like your, 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 your website solution or web developer solution. But anyway, just curious. Yeah. So I think having one individual on a team is actually very powerful. Um, I've spoken to analysts in the CDL even who have said, Hey, there's like really only one player that I spend most of my time talking to. And that's whoever's calling the shots in game, right? Because if that person understands like the goal of what they need to achieve at that time, and they just tell everyone else where to go. That's perfectly appropriate. Huh. Um, that's, that's of course, fascinating. it would help. <laughs> yeah, of course, it would help if everyone was like, you know, if you were on a, a team and you had four players who were just nasty and like a thousand IQ players. Like, yeah, that's that's optimal. But the reality of it is, usually there's there's one guy calling the shots, hmm. um, and it, it's it's more useful to have that one guy buy into the system than it is to have the other three buy into it. That is amazing. That is interesting. Huh. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I, I would think that alongside with that, the person that's in that role has to be, and now we're obviously on the outside looking in a little bit, but you know, that person would have to, you know, I, I, do you, um, do you watch the hard points, uh, podcast or whatever they want to call yeah. it with? Yeah. That I love TP is like one of my favorites. He's, he's awesome. Um, and their whole yeah. team is, is great. Um, but break time boys, but, you know, one of the things that they were talking about in that podcast was they were referencing how um, the person, specifically, they were talking about Optic, um, which current day mm -hmm. Chicago Optic, <laughs> um, and how Envoy seems to be the one that's currently like kind of in the role of talking to sender, interacting with sender, who's their coach, um, and then engaging with kind of making, calling out shots, telling people what to do, that sort of thing. But he's like technically the, I mean, not technically, he's one, he's the youngest person on the team he's you know he's been playing for a long time but he's new to the pro scene in the in you know in contrast to like say a scump and a formal and even a dashy um sort of dashy's kind of been in and out but um it's kind of they were talking about how it's great for him to be filling that role that you were kind of talking about but it would be easy for scump or formal to possibly like lose respect for him if he has a bad game if something goes wrong and you know he makes he's you know for whatever reason makes it consistently bad calls over the course of a match like or you know a specific tournament um so that's it it's an interesting dynamic it must be a super interesting and not precarious in a bad way but i i suppose it speaks really heavily to the teamwork necessary. Um, the team like being committed to one another, because if you only have one guy that's really directing and driving, then, you know, what happens if something goes wrong? That's a, 
you have to be willing to shoulder that burden. And then I guess you also have to be willing to, um, to accept it on the other end. <laughs> Cause if you're not the guy that's putting in the work and putting in the time from a, you know, a stat standpoint or a strategy standpoint, then you have to be willing to accept the circumstances if something does go wrong. Right. Cause it's just as much your fault as it is theirs, even if they're the one that called the shot. Right. I mean, so on the flip side of that though, like that, that happens because that's probably the best situation, right? Where like, if someone who's maybe not, not focused as much as on the analytical part of, of the game, like, but let's be honest, like you could tell the way Envoy talks about the game and the way that he like engages with, with people when he discusses the game, like that dude's a nerd about the game, right? Like, he, <laughs> yes. he just wants to understand everything and wants to be the best. And and someone like, like Dashy, I don't get that vibe from him. Like he seems like he just wants to shoot straight and, and, you know, be that guy that has all the kills. That, that's jump. what interests him. So like it, it is that way because Dashy's not going to be the one who wants to do that. Right. Like, yeah. like the, the team would probably be objectively worse if, if those roles were reversed based on just who they are as people. Yeah. So I think it's, I think it's more just like, that's who he is as a person. And to be fair, I think he's pretty good at it. So yeah. Oh, yeah he's a, he's a God. <laughs> yeah, he's amazing. <laughs> um, okay. So so then I'm curious, like about the second part, which goes into like why people have or haven't developed something like like scrim tell. Like, what about the scene do you think has held something like that being developed? Like, what's held it back? I mean, even like in, yeah. we're talking about Call of Duty, but when I think about like even like Fortnite, um, you know, Halo back in back in the day, and, you know, League of Legends, Gears of War, like all of these competitive sport, esport, Overwatch, which Overwatch is technically newer, but the game's been around for a while. Um, like none of them have something that is quite like Scrimtel to begin with, and I, you know, you kind of mentioned that. So, like, what about the scene, even in general? We can focus on Call of Duty has has held development of that back. So. So first of all, there there was something like Scrimtel that I was made aware of a, a few months ago in Overwatch, um, and that that to me is actually one of the scenes that's matured the fastest. Um, like I don't know that 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 scene really went from like zero to a hundred within the matter of a year or so, and yeah. they they started having coaches and analysts and, and all this. Um, I think with COD, it's it's kind of the culture behind it, right? It's always been like a super like ratty just like grimy game at its core and, mm -hmm. and it, it still is but um i think the other part of it is the actual like age of of the people competing right like i everyone was mm -hmm. so young it seems like like back when i started to get into it but like I, I feel like the average age has risen over the years and maybe i'm wrong like i don't have actual data to to back up that statement it's but, probably i mean it's probably um, risen over the years as people like skump formal you know uh slasher you know have stayed in clayster um right. uh, yeah crim have stayed in but i mean way back when they were i don't know that there was there were a few people older than them that were competing but not like a ton especially in like the pro pro scene but that was like yeah. also way back way before there was something like developed from a call of duty league standpoint so yeah so i think i think part of it is just like no one would have cared. Like if, if I were to have released Scrimtel 10 years ago, I don't think anyone would have cared. There's, yeah. there's going to be su super nerdy people. Like I'm sure you could have gotten like any of the COL guys on Scrimtel back in the day, but mm -hmm. uh, I don't think many people would have cared really. Um, and I think the, the second part of that is like, you, you mentioned earlier how, 
how players know what's happening to them, right? Like they're, they're aware they are self-aware, believe it or not, um, of what's happening in the game. And like, they understand when they're just getting dumpstered on mm-hmm. and what, what the data has done that I've seen recently is show the severity of that. Um, there was, there was a team I was working on working with and the coach kept yelling at them. Hey, you guys just need to rotate. Why aren't you guys rotating? And so I started to keep track of, okay, on this hard point, did you rotate? Yes or no. On this hard point, did you rotate? Yes or no. And then at the end of the game, I'd be like, all right, out of 11 hard points that game, how many do we think we rotated for? And we're like, well, the coach is still kind of yelling at us. So I think we got like a six or seven. It's like, no, you got two out of 11 rotations. Like that's bad. That is, that is very bad. That is a, you lost. (laughs) That is an excuse for a grade. And things started to slowly improve after that, because I think they understood the severity of of how bad things were. And I, I think that's that's part of what data can help do is is like give an objective like this is the percentage of we're doing the things that we need to do instead of players singing like, oh, I think we did pretty good. Like if you were to ask yourself to give yourself a grade on any arbitrary task, like you'd probably end up around like a C plus B minus, which sure. isn't isn't great. But just like as a human, you're like, yeah, that's that seems like a fair grade, even yeah. though like y- you might be at a completely failing. There's no hope of passing grade. Yep. Huh. Interesting. 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 Okay. So what are the pros and cons between doing Scrimtel as like a web-based solution, right? Which is accessible to anyone or everyone. I assume that they would be able to apply it to their own game, their own, you know, uh, scrims, et cetera, versus, Mm -hmm. you know, taking it specifically to LA thieves or, you know, whoever (laughs) and, uh, saying, Hey, let me make you better. Let me help you, uh, you know, be better. Well, so I think the important thing to understand is that like, it it takes a lot of time to develop something like this. Right. And I, I, there's, there's people that have done components of it that I'm aware of like JP from New York. I, I, I think he's probably got the most advanced analytics software out there. Um, and like, I know some of what he has, I don't know if he's shown me everything that he has, but someone like him, like he's going to have way more intelligence than the average person. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that being said, like I can still develop the software, but I've learned a lot along the way and maybe I'm not giving all my secrets up on the, on the public version. Let's just put it that way. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. Interesting. 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 I'm trying to, th- I'm sitting here, I'm trying to think about like, okay, <laughs> like what is the best way to like leverage, you know, yourself into the community? Um, because I think it kind of depends and that it goes back to that question I was asking you towards the beginning, which is like, when you see like the different traditional path, like the pros and cons are like salary, absolutely. You know, remote work, absolutely. Um, and there's also not the need to develop kind of a public persona, so to speak, right? P- public platform. But when it comes to the Call of Duty esports scene, you know, even if you're just an intern, so, you know, like often you have to have some form of platform, some form of engagement because, um, mm-hmm. because that's how teams get loud and that's how they get sponsorships and then that's how they make money. Um, so, I was kind of, that's why I was asking you between those two different types of paths, which one like appealed to you the most. Um, and it sounds like you haven't fully decided which one you feel like is more is worth it. Yeah. But, um, yep. That is interesting. 
it's like opportunity to mm -hmm. be super exciting, but there's also a lot of drain that comes with that public platforming comes with the grinding component of it. Um, so yeah, you're in a, you're in a cool position, man. You're in a cool position. Yeah. I feel like it's choose your own adventure at this point, which is nice, but scary. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I feel like, like you were saying, even while you've been working on developing the, you know, on all the code and all the different components of Scrimtel, like you've also learned a lot of stuff along the way. And it's like, that's where I feel like big picture, you know, it's in my opinion, it's more about the journey than it is about like, oh, if I don't do this, I'm going to be sad, <laughs> you know, or I'm going <laughs> to yeah. be disappointed. It's like, sure, but like you still have 50 years of life left, you know, <laughs> and it's just like there's so much more to do and that will take place. And, you know, I think that 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 matters a lot. And it's something that people like it's easy for people to forget about when they're trying to do career pathing. And it's like even people that have been set on stuff, it's like it's going to change. And like the important thing to recognize is that you're, I think, is that you're learning as you, as you go, like no matter what you're doing, you're learning something. And that just feeds into this kind of growing career trajectory, um, more so than anything else. So the other thing is, is like, you know, you're young, you can kind of, you, you do have the opportunity to, you know, put in time, do not to, not to, you know, encourage things that are stupid. Cause I hate that when businesses are inefficient, <laughs> drives me nuts. Yeah. Um, but like you can engage with that opportunity. And as long as you keep up your skill sets, you know, from a coding and, you know, um, science, uh, computer science, technical background, like you can always jump back into the traditional pool, you know, cause like that's only going to grow and develop. Yeah. So my dad was actually, actually asking me about this a few days ago. Um, he was like, so what, what happens if you pursue this for like a year and you get a job and then all of a sudden, like, let's say Call of Duty just doesn't exist anymore. And I was like, well, I'm not really in a bad position because like I've done all this like really hard technical work, like doing exactly what I'd be doing in, in industry. If, if anything, it's just even more difficult. And I have like a more difficult product to, to showcase after that. Mm -hmm. Right. Because in industry, like you'd be working with a team, you'd have lots of guidance, like you probably have pretty specific use cases that are well-defined. And it's like, I'm building this from the ground up and getting that experience and doing all this development myself. So like worst case scenario, I have a bunch of experience under my belt. That's probably arguably like more, I don't know. It's like more prestigious than if I just had like the traditional route. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a great way to think about it. It's an awesome way to think about it. Cool, man. Awesome. Well, thank you for uh, being the, uh, the guinea pig, I guess, in a good way. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was course. curious about all this stuff and it's like, you only get access to so much information. And I was, you know, again, I was curious about someone who was like, I, I love that you're going out there and you're pursuing something and it's not necessarily tied to like, Hey, if I don't do this, then I don't have a career um, or something along those <laughs> lines. It's like, you're willing to put in time yeah. and effort, like outside of just trying to do whatever um or you know waste time and stuff like that not that people shouldn't have fun and whatever but um but it's cool it's cool and it's like you know it's a good season to be in so <laughs> yeah thank you cool man awesome